Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester, and today I'm joined by a very special guest to talk about spring training and breakout players. It's Jason Stark, who writes for The Athletic, is in studio at MLB Network, and host of Baseball Stories at WatchStadium.com. Jason is also on Twitter, at JasonST, but if you don't already follow him, you're probably just looking for a football podcast. Jason, thank you for taking the time to come on our podcast and talk some baseball today. Hey, Bobby, I've been one of those people looking for the football podcast. <laughs> so so not, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> sure. I can't believe we've got baseball coming up, and there are so many people still interested in what's going on in football. Like I, I, I mean, I guess I get it because I do this for a living as well, but it's baseball season, right? Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to admit, uh, like I'm in spring training. I tuned out the combine. I did. <laughs> Good for you. I, I wasn't able to do it. Uh, Jason, those baseball stories you put together, they're phenomenal. And I've got to admit, I held off on making uh, the leap to membership with the Athletic until the day they hired you. I couldn't resist at that point. Jason, you've won an Emmy for your work on Baseball Tonight, authored three books, and now you're going to be honored at the Baseball Hall of Fame this year as the winner of the 2019 Spink Award. Jason, we usually only talk fantasy baseball, but I'm assuming our listeners want to hear a little bit about you. I certainly do. And as you um, as you look back at your journey, how did your love for baseball begin as a kid? You know, it, it's not just a love for baseball with me, Bobby. It's a love for baseball writing. I, I, I tell people this all the time, but this is absolutely a true story. I, I'm doing what I always dreamed of doing from the time I dreamed about doing anything. My mom was a writer, June Stark, and she had a lot of writer friends. She infused in me the love of writing, and I always had the love of sports, and especially baseball from a really young age. I'll tell you something really cool. I have a, a framed picture on my wall in my office, and it's a, it's a photo of my, me and my sister walking home from elementary school, and I, but we're pretty sure that I was 10 and she was eight or nine. We're about a year and a half apart. And underneath it is a composition she wrote in fourth grade. And it says, if you ever want to know anything about baseball, you should ask my brother. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's just so wild, right, to look at this sometimes and think, how did my life happen? <laughs> this doesn't really happen to real people, but it happened to me. Absolutely. I feel the same exact way. I still pinch myself every single day, just wondering how I got this job that you know, I could have dreamed of, but it didn't even exist when I was a child. And now I get to talk about fantasy sports for a living. I'm just so lucky. Yeah, exactly right. You know, look, we do a lot of work, but it doesn't feel like work, work. Here's my favorite yeah. expression. It's a labor of love, but it's a good thing because there is a lot of labor. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there definitely is. You know, we always hear about baseball's problem with appealing to kids. They're all playing soccer. So fixated on their phones or playing Fortnite. Hasn't it always been this way, though? I mean, not every kid is like you and me where they just, you know, are reading Bill James baseball abstracts. But, um, you know, people will gravitate to baseball like they always have because it's just an incredible game. Well, I mean, you, look, you're preaching to the choir here, pal. Uh, sure. <laughs> I, I think baseball is the most interesting game. You know, I understand now that the, the sport undoubtedly needs better rhythm and it needs more action, needs more people running around out there. I, I get the the... the reason that kids, people of a certain age, people of any age may not see in baseball what we see. But baseball, the more you de more time you devote to it, the cooler it gets, the more interesting yeah. it gets. There's just so many levels to the sport that I don't think you find in any other sport. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. 
All right, Jason, I'm ready to transition into spring training talk. And I've noticed he spent some time around the St. Louis Cardinals this spring. We all know that Dexter Fowler struggled about as much as anyone in baseball not named Chris Davis. And Tyler O'Neill looks ready in every facet of the game. Now, granted, it's the spring, but he was quite good last year as well. Is O'Neill doing enough this spring to get Mike Schultz to finally bump Fowler out of the lineup? Well, I don't think you'll see that because yeah. baseball lineup building 101. Who's making the most money? You know, You're Dex- right. You're they right. Have Dexter so much money that they've got to give him every opportunity to earn it. And I'm wary of Dexter. I'm really intrigued by Tyler O'Neill. I mean, the power potential is undeniable. But they've got to give Dexter Fowler every opportunity. He's in a better state of mind. He's healthier. He's got a much better vibe with the manager, Mike Schilt, than he had last year with Mike Matheny. And so, I, I, I honestly, from a fantasy standpoint, I would take a flyer on Tyler O'Neill, but I would not draft either of them real high, you know? Um, yeah, that's a good one. Tyler O'Neill's a really good lottery ticket. I think so as well. And, you know, Marcelo Zuna's dealing with a shoulder injury. We're not exactly sure if he's going to be ready to go for opening day. So maybe O'Neill gets some at-bats that way. Um, you know, of course, Fowler's not going to play every single day, as veterans typically don't. Look, with the Cardinals, what got everybody's attention, the games that I saw, is that collection of arms. Oh, my God. I mean, Jack Flaherty the other day in his second start of the spring was ridiculous. He struck out seven in a row. He was, he got up to 96 on the gun, which is crazy. And every out was either a strikeout or a ground ball to the pitcher. He was just in complete control, and that's what he's been both starts, both times out this spring. And then after him, they just start bringing in this parade. You know, Andrew Miller looked way better than he was the end of last year. Shoulder, knee, much healthier. Jordan Hicks, I have a piece on The Athletic saying, this is the best fastball ever. And it's not even his best pitch. You know, the league hit 104 against his slider with one extra base hit. And that pitch was just devastating. He's also working in changeup and four-seam fastball now which I think helps him throw more strikes and will keep the hitters from cheating on him. I don't know how they're going to divide up the saves on that team, but he's got a chance to be a stat-compiling monster. And it was just so funny to just to watch the hitters and some of the, the funky swings they took, how late they were. The whole, <laughs> the whole Cardinals team was behind that screen, that protective screen in the dugout because they – because the swings were so late, anybody who made contact was just going to fire it right into the dugout. So there was those two, and then Alex Reyes came in next, and he was all over the place. It was his first outing in 10 months, but he hit 99 on the gun too. And you know, once he settles in, there's another guy who's a tremendous fantasy lottery ticket, I think. I don't know where Dakota Hudson's going to fit. There's another guy with just a spectacular arm. Their collection of arms might be unlike any other team. You know, it's a lot of fun. I would, I'm a Cardinals fan, uh, to be honest with you, but I think the Yankees might might have a little bit more going with with their uh, in the pen. pen as it is. Yeah. yeah, in the pen. That's the greatest pen ever assembled. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And uh, you're right, the Cardinals have so much depth. I mean, we're talking about John Ganton and uh, Ponce de Leon aren't even going to sniff the rotation. Uh, Alex Reyes may be on the outside looking in. Dakota Hudson might go back to the bullpen. But you're right, Flaherty, he's caught my eye. And I'm wondering, is he someone, he seems to have kicked it up a notch this offseason. He looks just filthy. Is he someone who can leap forward into that true ace territory this season? Um, you know, like just in terms of pure stuff, you you might say like a 1A or a 2. 
but there's something about him. You know, he's like he's just got this presence about him. Certainly on the mound, and even off the mound. Uh, you know, other the other young pitchers and players on that team follow him around. They gravitate toward him, and he picks every brain there is to pick. Chris Carpenter or Bob Gibson makes the mistake of coming to camp, and he just <laughs> pelting those guys with questions. And uh, here's my thing in life, right? You can't ever be truly great at anything unless you aspire to be great. I really think Jack Flaherty aspires to be great, and I give extra points for that. So, you know, look, it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be Jordan DeGrom, Max Scherzer type numbers. But he is, I I do think he's a guy that nobody's going to want to face when the Cardinals come to town. I think that's a good way to put it. And, uh, you know, it probably helps that he's got Yadi Molina working with him as well, who's just been a master with pitchers for a long time. And I wanted to bring up Jack Flaherty because uh, in fantasy rankings, I was saying draft, if you can, draft four of those top 16 starting pitchers because there's a big drop-off afterward. I've now moved Flaherty into that list. I've moved Kershaw off that list just because the shoulder concerns, he still could be great. But I want to let you all know, Flaherty's on my radar. Now, if you're doing a draft tonight or this weekend, go out and get him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, guys, it's time for stat of the day, and here's the stat. If Chris Sale concludes the year with a 30% strikeout rate once again, he'll be only the second starting pitcher in MLB history with a full decade and at least 450 innings to strike out 30%. The other, Jose Fernandez. Jason, you came out with a tremendous article last week about Fernandez, and I don't need to rehash what he did. But in terms of baseball, was he the most talented young pitcher you've ever seen? You know, the combination of talent, and charisma, I think, is what sticks out to me. It, he's up there among the most talented young pitchers I've ever seen because it's like you never knew what he might do on any given day. You ever look at his numbers in his home park? I, if I remember off the top of my head, he was 29-2 and two in Miami. Oh, man. Got to be kidding. But the other part that drew people to him was just personality off the charts and the ability to connect with people. If you spent five minutes talking to Jose Fernandez, he'd make you feel like you were his best friend. And there were no barriers with that guy uh, in terms of who he'd chatted up with and which people in the world of baseball he'd befriend. It could be the, the janitor or the security guard or the usher you know, in his mom's section or the grounds crew or anybody. Uh, he just loved people. And, you know, when I wrote this piece, the reaction of a certain segment of the world, just as I knew it would be, was this guy drove a boat with alcohol and cocaine in his bloodstream. He died. Two people died. How can you glorify him? And I recognize that the Jose Fernandez story is bigger than baseball because of that. I just wanted to tell this incredible, powerful baseball story because if he had lived, this would have been his free agent winner. And Scott Boris told me he was going to get $400 million for that guy. (laughs) I'll probably take the under on that, but that's what he would have been looking at. And his entire franchise changed, obviously for the worse in so many ways because of his passing. They were built to win. He was the centerpiece of it all. And then one one minute they were on this trajectory 
to be a playoff team. And the next, he was gone. They were trading two MVP outfielders, and the entire cast of characters is gone in two years. You're right. Uh, just the whole story is just remarkable to me, remarkable on every level. Man, he was a fantastic talent. Would have loved to see him play his entire career out. And, you know, obviously yeah. would have loved to see those other people live as well, even though we didn't know them. Uh, it's just a, a horrible situation what happened. But, man, in terms of baseball, he was really, really special, Jason. Yeah, special. That's the word. So sticking with the younger pitchers, Jason, uh, all of us fantasy guys are looking for Walker Buehler type rookies to carry us to the title. <laughs> Among the elite pitching prospects, we've got Forrest Whitley, Jesus Luzardo, Chris Paddock, Alex Reyes, who you mentioned. Uh, do you see any of these guys breaking camp in the big league rotation? Well, as you know, we live in a world now where service time seems to dominate all. Sure. And it's, it, it, and it's really frustrating to me. Uh, like break camp, I don't think is the, is the important phrase here. Okay. Um, I mean, I think, for example, Forrest Whitley is going to get every opportunity to pitch a lot the Astros. And so, you know, I don't, like I think it probably depends on the the rules in your league, but great guy to stash away. Um, Luzardo at some point, I I don't know how the, he I don't know how he cannot make an impact at some he, He's point. the best starter in Oakland, right? I don't know why they wouldn't call him up if they think they're going to compete again. Totally correct. Totally correct. And so, you know, this is this is a real problem for me. I can't think of any other sport where there's an incentive for a team, in any, again, in any sport, to not have its best players on the team. You know, baseball needs to fix this. Absolutely. But the thing we have to recognize is you can start calling these guys up a couple of weeks into the season, and then you've satisfied your service time issues. And they can still make a gigantic impact over the course of the season. We live in an age now where volume is not a thing for a lot of teams. They're not looking for volume and in innings out of their starters anyway. That's true. So you just you just want impact when they pitch. And like a, a, those two guys, Whitley and Lizardo, I am incredibly bullish on, and I I still think they are definitely worth a pick and Walker Bueller is going to be a star like if he was in the top five in the Cy Young this year wouldn't shock me oh absolutely he was so good especially in the second half and we did get 120 fantasy innings out of him so let's just say uh, Forrest Whitley doesn't get called up until late May that's still a great fantasy season we're looking at because I don't know if he's quite as good as Walker Bueller but he's in the conversation without question for me and uh, you know uh, everyone's talking about the uh, the potential looming strike in baseball they're just so discouraged about it. And it's possible. But you know what, Jason? With all these rule changes that I think are going to take place, like getting our best players up in baseball, I'm a little bit encouraged. I would trade a couple weeks of missing baseball for fixing all this stuff, paying minor leaguers, everything like this. <laughs> You're not going to fix it all. <laughs> but sure, yeah. You know, the issue is, is really came to light because of what happened in free agency this year. And there's still something like 40 free agents on sign. Yeah. You know, and some... I, I mean, as I go from camp to camp, people can't believe Adam Jones, for example, doesn't have a deal. And so this this just tells us that the system needs to be adjusted in some way. If the, if we're going to skew toward uh, toward younger players, then the 
the system that baseball has used for 40-something years of arbitration and free agency has to be dramatically adjusted so that players can get paid younger in their prime when they're doing their thing. Yep. And then there's not – if guys have already made their money, then it changes the way everybody could approach life in their 30s. And one of the ideas that I've heard is kind of an NFL, NBA-style entry-level contract. It's just tricky in baseball because you don't know when the entry is. Yeah, yeah, you're you're definitely right about that. Uh, I'm interested to see what they do. There's some very smart people working on it, and I just have uh, uh, optimism that they're going to be able to, to uh, adjust the game enough that it, it won't turn people off. Well, you're going to you're going to start to see some stuff here in the next week or two where some of these on-field changes are going to take place with the understanding that they're not going to wait three years to talk about the off-field. Yeah. That, that the conversations about that will begin. And it's that's really encouraging to me because for, for two years, I felt like the union and Major League Baseball could not agree on where to go get coffee. You know, are they going to Starbucks <laughs> or Pete's? Can't agree. But, but the fact that they are agreeing on this and they're agreeing that they're going to got start they're going to start talking now about the other stuff. Uh, that's really encouraging cuz work stoppages have all sorts of unintended consequences in many ways and you don't want to be that team, that league, I'm sorry. When when guys like Adam Wainwright who, you know, he he's a, a big personality outspoken and everything like that, but in a fun kind of way when he's talking about the impending labor strike, uh, you know, just really, you know, perks up your ears. Well, it's not just him. You know, we've yeah. had a lot of we've had a lot of prominent veteran players, articulate people who've been talking about this, and it should get everybody's attention. And you know, I think when the players talk, that merits a lot more attention than when executives talk or union people talk, because I I, I think one thing that's characterized the last couple of labor negotiations is. There really wasn't anything that you could have foreseen the players striking over. Now there is. Yeah. All right. So I want to shift and talk about some uh, some breakout players. Walker Buehler was one breakout player last year, as we mentioned. Another one, though, uh, in a different sense, was Christian Yelich. He went from being a borderline all-star to the NL MVP. And I'm wondering, I'm looking at Marcelo Zuna and what he did in Miami in the same batter's box. And he was significantly better at the plate. Uh, for Miami than, than Christian Yelich was. Is there a chance that he makes that same type of leap, assuming that his shoulder is actually healthy? Marcelo Zuna? Absolutely. Um, just an incredibly talented guy who loves to play. Uh, health was an issue. Uh, adjusting to a, a, just a totally new climate, totally new team, teammates, coaching staff was a big issue. And I, 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 would, I, I think the Cardinals are going to be really good. And I think he's going to be a part of it. And you saw a couple of years ago what he can be. Um, he's young. I don't see a reason why he can't be that guy again. Like you know, he's not a he's not a top three, four, f- probably even five round pick. But there's big upside there. I agree. I mean, you look at what he did back in Miami. He hit 37 homers, 124 RBIs. He batted 312. And uh, that's the most difficult, the single most difficult part for right-handed hitters. As we saw with Christian Yelich when he got out of there and he was healthy, he had an incredible season. 
Uh, I'm curious to see what Ozuna is going to do. Now, I want to keep an eye on his shoulder, but you know, if you're drafting now, I think he's an excellent gamble in the middle rounds as someone who could break out and help you win your league this year. Uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with that. I mean, you, look, you need some of the picks like that if you're going to win. Sure. You need, you, and he, he's definitely one of those guys. And I think we saw his floor last year as well, and it, it wasn't that bad. So it's obviously he could miss time. That's everyone's actual floor is, is missing games. But, you know, if he plays and he's banged up a little bit, still going to hit you 25 homers with a decent batting average. Yeah, there's so much more power potential than what we saw. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems like every year there's a, a surprising random breakout player, right? Maybe J.D. Martinez, Daniel Murphy, Ryan Ludwig a bunch of years ago. Last year, we saw 27-year-old Max Muncy more from weak hitting AAA utility man to hitting home run once in every 13 at-bats, which only trailed Chris Davis in the major leagues. Um, I'm wondering, Jorge Soler, he's, you know, he, he was injured last year. I was excited about him as a potential breakout guy, and he was actually really good over a 220 plate appearance sample size. He knocked 25 extra base hits, batted 286 in that time. That's an 82 extra base hit pace. That's like Francisco Lindor. Now, granted, they're totally different types of players, and he could have just been hot, but we've always known he had middle-of-the-order potential. Do you think that the breakout might finally arrive this year? Um, I'm not big on Jorge Soler. Okay. Uh, I, I see the tools. Everybody sees the tools. But it was kind of a red flag for me when the Cubs moved in. Like, I understand what they got back. <laughs> you know, uh, Wade, Wade Davis was worth giving up whatever he gave up for in their situation. But I just don't see enough of a plan there. And maybe the light bulb goes on. Um, maybe you're right. Like, maybe this is a guy who could get you 50 extra base hits by accident. But the, the, the quality of at-bats varies wildly from trip to trip. And that just always bothers me. With some of these young players as well, you can see an incredible month or two happening from them. But there's a difference between, you know, getting hot and playing good baseball for a while and focusing the entire season, putting the work in and and just getting it done and turning into that star. I'm not sure if Soler has that quality. Now, obviously, we've seen players like this uh, develop over the years and become that guy. But I would agree. I'm a little bit skeptical on Soler. I'm still not drafting him at the end of drafts, but he's someone I've got on waiver wire speed dial in case he continues to hit this year. And uh, maybe it does happen. It's worth watching. Uh, you know, if, I guess if you get to the very bottom of your draft and the pickings are slim, sure, why not? Because the <laughs> yeah. talent is amazing. But uh, just it's just really, really hard to depend on the talent playing. I'm all about dependability. It's my favorite quality in sports and life for Love that it. matter. Love it. All right, Jason, everyone in fantasy baseball is always looking for that next Blake Snell or Trevor Bauer to anchor their staff out of a late round pick. I, that's It's hard to find, but I'm wondering if there's an ace in the making in uh, Julio Urias, if he makes the Dodgers rotation or Ross Stripling, one of these kids from Los Angeles. I don't, I don't see ace potential in Ross Stripling. And Urias is just hard to project because it's been so long since we've really seen him. Um, there, I, I think everybody felt like he was going to be an ace once upon a time. I remember coming into the Futures game at, what, 19 years old and just bl- just blowing through the the, the order of the uh, – he was on the international team, so it would have been the U.S. team. And that was eye-popping. Obviously, that talent's in there. Most guys who come back from Tommy John uh, come back to v- – very close to what they were, if not as good as what they were. But here's my issue with him. 
it's the way the Dodgers handle their inventory of pitchers. I, I just don't know exactly how he'll be used. You know, they run so many different pitchers out there over the course of the year, so many different starters. They don't have a rotation the way we think of a rotation. You're right. You know, and um, it's to me, it's a problem. Uh, they, like there, there are times they they can go weeks at a time, months at a time without running the same five pitchers out there in a row. And so, you know, if I thought Orias was a guy in their their main five. That would be different, but if he's in there ten, what does that mean? How is he going to How is he going to get used? How many starts does he make? How many innings does he pitch? I, I would think coming off Tommy John, there's just not going to be enough quantity there. The quality, even if it comes back, there won't be enough of it. I think for this season, he's going to be hard pressed to find his way into that rotation. I mean, they've got a Ryu who's even fighting for a spot. Now he's probably going to make it. He was excellent last year. Maeda's same kind of deal. I mean, they've got all these guys. Even Caleb Ferguson might be ahead of Urias, but um, you know, you look at him and he's still 22 years old. He's younger than Walker Bueller. I think there's a big future ahead of him. I think that what the Dodgers do this year, they put him in the bullpen, kind of like what Carlos Martinez did as a rookie, and eventually he transitions into that starting pitcher right. um, down the line, and I think he could be a special one. He's, uh, I, I've been loving watching what I've seen uh, this spring. He, he's exciting. Really exciting arm, but the baseball season is long. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And another one of those potential ace guys is Josh James. I loved him before the injury. My listeners know that. Um, now I'm just dying to know, is he going to get his chance? Is Wade Miley going to uh, to be forced out because Josh James is just so good? Or are they going to just shove him into the bullpen and we'll get another Brad Peacock here? <laughs> yeah, he's another guy. It's just so hard to predict how the Astros are going to use him that I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't think that even they know. Uh, so yeah. I suppose they wind up signing Dallas Keuchel again. It's not impossible. Josh James is exciting, but he's a he's really a uh, if, unless you're in like a dynasty league, he's really a bottom of the draft lottery ticket. Yeah, before the quad injury, I was scooping him up in a lot of places, thinking he was gonna you know carve out a role for him in that number five spot. But at this point, it, it doesn't look like there's much of a chance there, and it's probably Forrest Whitley time before it's Josh James time. So. Right, I think you're right. Uh, Trevor Story, Jason, was was a pretty big disappointment for fantasy owners in 2017 after his hot start in 2016. Last year, he bounced right back, posted incredible numbers. I'm wondering if there's someone similar who catches your eye, like maybe a Miguel Cabrera. Um, and I understand, you know, Cabrera and Story are totally different because Story was a lot younger. But, I mean, Cabrera, all 14 years we've seen him healthy. He's received MVP votes. And uh, maybe he's done producing at the age of 36. But I think back to his former teammate, Maglia Ordonez who bounced back and hit 363 with 82 extra base hits in his mid-30s. Now look at David Ortiz and wonder if Miguel Cabrera might be able to do the same thing this year. Well, I was in the Tigers camp a few days ago, and first off, Miggy is in the best shape I've ever seen him. I, I know wow. people laugh about this, but I've never seen him look so chiseled. You know, uh, he would, he's, he's been working, and that's, that's huge. Uh, and then I'm trying to remember whether he was – Five for his first 11 or six for his first 11 this spring. Uh, faced Adam Wainwright and hit a, a slicing liner to right and got robbed. Then hit a slicing liner to left and got robbed. And afterwards, uh, we were talking at Adam Wainwright. And here came Miggy out of the Tigers clubhouse. And Adam ran over and hugged him and said, how about that 0 for 2? <laughs> <laughs> but 
Mickey is one of the greatest hitters who ever lived. He's yes. in the top five right-handed hitters who ever lived. I think you could argue that. Wow. And, you know, we think he, he, we think of him as old because he debuted at 20 years old. And he is old now by modern baseball standards. But that guy will be able to hit forever. I can still remember when the Tigers signed him with this contract, which I'm guessing they'd like to have back now, <laughs> talking to Dave Dombrowski after the press conference, and he was walking me through his logic, and he said, Miguel Cabrera to me is Hank Aaron. Look at Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron could hit through age 40, and I think Miguel Cabrera will be that guy. Um, you can't depend on him to be what he was because they, they're going to have to watch playing time, and the likelihood of him Tweaking something, doing something is high. But of course. When he plays, he is going to hit. I have no doubt about that. I'm really encouraged by that answer because I've got so many shares of Miguel Cabrera and I'm hoping <laughs> they pay off this year. Jason, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you uh, carving out the time to come talk with us, and I hope you have a great time at spring training. Bobby, thanks so much, man. I really enjoy your work. I'm a big fan of Fantasy Pros, so really cool to be with you. Thank you, Jason. And remember, Jason is uh, is now hosting baseball stories at WatchStadium.com. You guys are going to want to check these out. Absolutely unbelievable. And follow Jason on Twitter if you don't already, at JasonST. That's Jason with a Y. For Jason Stark, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your baseball.